Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Silver 7's, home of 77 cent beers on uh, days and nights of NFL action, and it is an NFL night tonight. We're going to be heading towards the Aces after 5 o'clock, but Thursday night football, Chargers and the Chiefs going down at a couple of different bars here. At Silver Sevens, Bud Light Lounge, Silver and Gold. John Bontobel is here for the uh, Big Four at Four. Back in our Finley Toyota Studios. It's Ari. Let's do it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at Four. Number Four. Yep, new feature on the show. Big Four at Four every day. Big Four at Four, five days a week. Chiefs right now. At the William Hill book across the way, four. The favorite of the Chargers minus four, and the total is 53. So let's jump into it. A little NBA to start. That is your sport. You know, I saw the other day that every sport is my sport, Steve. Danny Ainge took a big dump on the head of Gobert and Mitchell. They're both gone. Or was he blaming someone else in the mix? Was it a coaching deal? He basically said the team didn't believe in each other. He was blaming Donovan Mitchell. Okay. I wholeheartedly believe okay. and right. believe that is the case. Uh, from Ainge's press conference, quote, what I saw during the season was a group of players that really didn't believe in each other. I think individually they have resolved. I just don't believe that collectively they did. So we saw a lot of players trying to do it on their own as the belief in one another wasn't as great as other teams I've been on and around. Look. Too what, much? What happened with the Utah Jazz are a couple of things. One, I don't think we give enough credit to just debilitating, debilitating losses, right? And what I mean by that is you build up a 3-1 lead against the Denver Nuggets in the bubble, you lose it, and you lose that series to the Denver Nuggets. You go on in a series to the Los Angeles Clippers, who did not have Kawhi Leonard after you had that series lead, you blow that. And you're looking around and going, like, what's going on? We've had some of the best offenses in the NBA the last few seasons, and yet we have this clear and key weakness, which is a bunch of poor on-ball defenders surrounding one ultimately great defender, but who can't play against five-out lineups. What's going to happen? And so that begins to kind of erode on the team. And then you get a player like Donovan Mitchell, who clearly had issues with Rudy Gobert. And if you remember, Steve, when Quinn Snyder left the team, decided to call it quits for what he's saying is for a while, but ultimately it's probably going to be one year off. Donovan Mitchell decided to go, oh, I had no idea that was coming. Even though it was reported five months prior that that was probably going to happen, and then I knew about it. You knew it was going to happen. So what's been happening here is Donovan Mitchell deserves a lot of blame for how this jazz thing imploded. So then he talks to Brian Windhorst, and he tells Brian Windhorst that, oh, he, he totally wanted to totally wanted to make it work. Tells Windhorst, quote, I don't think we didn't believe. I said at the end of the season, don't trade Rudy. Let's figure this out. Let's do it. And that didn't happen. Yeah, you say that when you know that the the relationship is beyond repair. And you say that in public. You know how many times during the season when all of these noise was around Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell came out and said, hey, man, it's my guy. Don't take shots at Rudy. Never. If you really believed in all of this, you could have said something. You didn't. Now you're in Cleveland, and now it's easy to go, oh, I totally believe that this was going to work. I don't know what happened. You do know what happened. Number three. Speaking of debilitating, head-to-head bet on the show, that was debilitating for you last week. You 
just ripped the hell out of me for not trusting in my Jets like Donovan Mitchell didn't trust in his teammates. Um, we made a bet. I mean, you stuck you, around a lot of the game. You, you wanted the – doesn't matter. There's no moral victories in betting. I mean, Jets plus seven, you wanted it. I was on the right side. You loved it. That was not a right side Right loss. side, wrong result. Oh, my God. Anyway, I took the Ravens minus seven. Uh, are you ready to bounce back with the Jets now plus six and a half? I am, but not because of this dumb trend. Against the Browns. So the trend is, in the past 10 years, teams that lost in week one by double digits have gone 40, 25, and 2. 62% against the spread in week two. Uh, teams that apply under this uh, number, Rams, Pats, Jets, Packers, Cowboys, Cardinals this week. Mm. I'm, I'm taking them all. Put them on a parlay. Let's go. It's going to hit. No, I do think, one, uh, Cleveland, as somebody who bet on Cleveland, by the way, in week one, uh, not overly impressed with that effort on offense. That was not great for the Cleveland Browns. But their defense is absolutely tremendous. I do think the Jets are in a little bit of a better position here against Cleveland because of that. Jacoby Brissett did not play very well. And I, while I believe that the Jets are going to have another difficult time offensively against a really stout front seven, an underrated front seven at that, I don't think the Browns' offense is going to be good enough to pull away and win this game. But I will say, I said it was a stupid trend. I like to look for reasons as to why trends are the way that they are, so always kind of dive into those. I would say that why that's such a successful trend is, what do we call week two in the National Football League, Steve? Overreaction week. The market freaks out about previous results, bakes the lines higher than they should be, thus these teams that got smoked the week before ultimately cover because the lines are probably inflated because the reaction is a little too high. So, while I wouldn't blindly follow the trend, there is some merit to the fact that a lot of people are overreacting from week one results. Thus, give me a Jets team that I do believe in defensively and did show, while well, I say and joke around, wrong, like wrong side or whatever it was, uh, right side wrong result, I thought they were relatively solid on defense in that game and gave themselves many opportunities. Number two. I'm going to stick with right side loss. Right side wrong result. Right side Lost. I so took I, seven and close six and a half. It was right side. So, so on Monday, we reacted to Aaron Rodgers getting on Christian Watson, rookie from North Dakota State, for dropping a clear touchdown pass, got on dubs a little bit, said, you know, we got to be patient, although he wasn't very patient. He kind of stopped throwing to him uh, throughout much of the game. Uh, another receiver is coming back, and he made some pretty, pretty blunt remarks about the receiver. Amari Rodgers, the second-year wide receiver, Aaron Rodgers asked on Amari Rodgers fit in the offense and if he would see an increased role. Quote, yeah, he's returning for us now. That's all I got. Okay. Which you read as? Well, first off, he hates Amari Rodgers. <laughs> I think that's probably the first thing. But here's the thing. So us in the media, the big bad media, clearly Aaron Rodgers, in whatever way, shape, or form, does not care for Amari Rodgers. If he did, he'd probably have a little bit more on Amari Rodgers' potential in the offense. All he did was say, that's all he's got, man. He's just being honest. He doesn't know the young man well. Yeah, it, it, come on. You can you can expand. You can give a better answer than that. But instead, you go the route of, short. Oh, he's returning first now. That's all I got on that. And it's like, okay, man, Like, of course you're going to read into something like that. You can give a better and different answer. You can give a very diplomatic answer when it comes to his involvement in the offense. And at some point, this is going to get read into, and like we should, because we're the media, and he's going to go, the big bad media trying to make me have to be a bad guy. Like, yeah, you're kind of surly in a D sometimes, dude. (laughs) It's it's who you are. I don't think it's that really that big of a deal. But can I also say, we're only one game in. I love the way this is going. So Everybody, everybody had questions like, dude, what are you doing with this wide receiver core? You signed on for this. You knew Devontae was leaving. 
like, do you really believe that much in yourself that you think you're going to take a bunch of rookies and old dudes and make this work at wide receiver? And one game in, the answer is a resounding no. Now, are you overreacting with a one game in proclamation? No, I'm not. I'm not saying it's not working. I'm okay. saying one game in, it's not working. Right. Right. Very clearly, it's not working. By the end of the year, could it work? Sure. I think Romeo Dubs is a very impressive wide receiver for a guy who went and was in the fourth round. I believe in Christian Watkins as a whole once he starts to get healthy. Remember, he had a knee scope early in training camp. Maybe he's just not all the way there yet from a physical standpoint. Regardless, early on, the results have not been great. Again, only one week. And maybe they shift their focus. Maybe they become a more run-oriented defensive-type team. But right now, when you have concerns about a team and those concerns start to play out after one game, that is cause for a concern. Number one. Thursday Night Football. Ryan Fitzpatrick is part of the mix in the broadcast. Is he just trying to lob bombs here to get his name out there? What did he say about my guy Tom Brady? So maybe. So he made an appearance. He's actually been making the rounds. I listened to an interview with him on Levitard's show uh, as well. What happened? I was just looking on our video screen and just making the motion to Ari like, Fitzpatrick's been on. Come on. Oh, he's been making the rounds on the press conference sample. Get him on. so he's been making a lot of appearances. So this comes from an appearance on Pardon My Take over at Barstool. And he apparently like came back with like a bunch of instances in which Brady kind of rubbed him the wrong way. And one of the things that he mentions is that Mother Effort clip from HBO's The Shop. He swears it's him. Oh, really? He thinks that he, thinks that he was the one that Tom Brady was talking about. Quote, it had to be me. Zero respect. He'd never shake my hand. Part of the story he tells is, quote, I told the story before, pisses me off because you're in Buffalo, you're playing New England, they're kicking our ass every single year, they're beating us. We finally, in 2011, knocked them off right at the beginning of the season, had a great start, he threw five picks, just wonderful to see, wonderful to see, and he would run straight off. No handshake, no quarterback, middle of the field, no, where are the cameras, okay, stay healthy, buddy, just ran straight off and it bothered me. Because you're the only person Tom Brady's ever done that to. He's notorious for doing it. And... This is, let me just say. Why are you hating on Fitzy? Because. No one will say anything negative about TB12. You got someone here who's going after him. Uh, I, this is why. If you go back and listen to his interview on the Levitard show, he was terrible. Was he? He was not fun. Oh, he no. was boring. It was canned answers. They asked him about, remember, the injury he allegedly suffered on a water slide. He, I'm not talking about that. Just, just totally. Did he really? Yeah. And they let it happen? Yeah. And so here, and, they have a history of. Basically bailing on an interview if, if someone does that. Right. They kind of did it at the end of the interview, so it was kind of easy to like yeah. walk off on that. But the, I, the, the, I, I take it back, Ari. Cancel. Right. And here's my thing. This is my, we don't want him. my hot take, I guess you want to call it, because he's just kind of come across in a lot of these interviews as like weird and surly and whatnot. And we have, again, this image of like, a oh, big bearded guy. He's a lot of fun. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. But he's also Ivy League, kind of a D-bag. I'm willing to bet he's going to be like Drew Brees. He's going to start this whole thing with Amazon. He's going to be terrible. And all of a sudden, we're going to look back and go, yeah, he's kind of boring and he sucks. Brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Less than an hour away from kickoff. Chargers, Chiefs, awesome game, great quarterbacks, great offensive talent. Defense? Well, we'll see. Chargers look damn good, at least uh, up front on the edge. J.C. Jackson expected to play tonight? That is the news. All right. Well, that's big news. 
That's real big news. We love viral videos. I don't love what I saw around the NFL last week, a bunch of fights and some lady puking. But I do like heroic videos. But we all watched this video. We'll play the news report here. And we had the same exact thought about this, quote, hero. Fort Walton Beach, a brawl in the drive through line at a Chick-fil-A led to this man, William Branch, facing charges of carjacking and battery. A Chick-fil-A employee is now being held a hero after the sheriff's office says he successfully stopped Branch. The intended target, a woman who was getting a baby out of her car when Branch approached with a stick and demanded her keys. The worker took Branch to the ground and held him there until more employees stepped in to help and police arrived i would expect no less <laughs> but he said your pleasure as well yes pointing out that uh, chick-fil-a cashiers and i was going to say servers cashiers are very friendly very friendly but they're tough they're very tough um one if you're trying to carjack with a stick um you probably do meth and he looked that guy was a mess he didn't he didn't plan that well but it's still a dangerous situation you got a lady and a baby and then this will work Chick-fil-A employee comes out, and I thought, do you think that was just a, a, a senseless rolling around, or did he try to put on a choke from the top? Uh, he tried to, like, choke him out. It, it was seemed. like a neck crank, wasn't it? Th- kind of choking him from the top and pulling back. More so, I had a first, I, my first few thoughts on this as I watched it. First off, wonder when he gets fired. Second off. That, before we <laughs> play the clip, that's exactly <laughs> what all of us on the show, because <laughs> you can't, maybe, you, maybe we don't appreciate heroes. No, we know reality is when – folks do this in these kind of jobs immediately the company's like why did you do that yep i don't know there was a lady and her baby so instincts kicked in you fired my second thought was actually when does the carjacker press charges i only have a stick dude you're trying to choke me out and slam me into the asphalt like i feel like this is a little over aggressive for somebody who's not in law enforcement if you were second in could you control yourself what do you or, mean or would you like because we, we talk to Justin Watkins, our legal insider, all the time about escalation of force. Yeah. But I, I kind of feel like if I was heated enough and I was second in, I might have punted the guy's head off his neck. Oh, so like you, like, like, like I'm, I just they're run. tussling and you're running in like, to do something? Yeah. You because know, don't you want to help the guy who's on the ground? I mean, I guess, but I don't think I would get too – like, because also, like, I don't know this lady. She might be a piece of garbage. Maybe she deserves – You're not processing maybe, all of that. Maybe she, maybe she deserves to get her car checked. Have you ever been involved in something like this? No. Because you were at a Starbucks that was inside, right? I was. I had a lot of, like, heated altercations with words, but never, like, if like someone had robbed physical. the cage and they're running by you, are you going, like, Khalil Mack and trying no, to power them to the ground? We talked about this. All, remember the, uh, we talked about this with the, the Best Buy. Remember the Best Buy video where all the employees, like, just swooped in out of nowhere, like the Justice League, and there was, like, five of them defending the entrance where guys were trying to steal phones, and they started getting into a physical altercation? You know what I would do? See you, guys. You want to know why? They have insurance. I don't care. I would never put myself gonna, in this you, position. You're going to be able to you, – you pick that up, like, immediately. I think so. Yeah, I don't know that – I mean, I, I think I'm Spider-Man better. It's thing, yeah? Just I think I'm better at Spider-Man. it now than I was. Um, I did witness a robbery near Samstown, kind of where Nellis crosses with Boulder Highway and Flamingo. And as I pulled up, the car – like, I could see the subway person running out, yelling. Two guys get in a car <laughs> – they start going up. I think it was Mountain Vista. You stop that guy. And I start going up Mountain Vista. <laughs> stop. I went like full Charles Bronson for like maybe a mile, and then what, I was like, "What am I doing?" Like if they have a gun, I got nothing. 
<laughs> but I did. But I was all about like, I'm going to get them. It does remind me. You ever see the video of that? Somebody's filming, and there's somebody running from a really fat cop who's out of shape. Yeah. And the cop goes, hey, stop him. And the guy filming is like, stop him. Like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to stop this guy. By the way, that robbery was 1997. So I, I was a little younger. I was going to say young and a little bit more angry, Steve Cofield. I wasn't angry. I was trying to be a hero. I was trying to protect well, I wasn't protecting anything. They already got away. So. And, and can we also just be I want clear. those subs in the car yeah, and, and the money. Going back to what we're talking about, if this video was not recorded, uh, this guy, fired. in terms of the employee, he's not a Chick-fil-A employee anymore. Just to be very clear, Chick-fil-A cannot be known as the place that fired the guy who saved the lady with the baby. Today's Cofield and Company is presented by Ellis Island Casino, home of the 24-7 Steak Special, 10-ounce top sirloin steak special for just $11.99 with your Ellis Island Players Club card. I started with the Chargers, and I'm going to stick with them for the time being. I mean, they've given me no reason to believe otherwise. I think this is going to be the team to beat in the AFC West. I think it's only right that I picked them to win this early season matchup. The Chiefs will win tonight. Out of these two teams, they're the team that I saw be able to do whatever they wanted to offensively last week. 50% of the time, they ran a play, they got a first down. That's the best mark in a decade. While the Chargers played a good football team with the Raiders, they're still too reliant on Justin Herbert being Superman. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Man, I was so scared right there. That was ESPN, Orlovsky, SAS, Stephen A. Smith. Did you say a scared? Yeah, because I thought back to last week when everyone just hammered poor Stephen A for basically picking both sides in the Chargers-Raiders game. Yeah, what was it? He he picked the Raiders to have the most points? No, I think he – Or is it the other way around? I think, no, he picked picked the Chargers to have the most points of all the AFC West teams or, like, of all the teams in the AFC. Yeah, in week one, most – most points for an AFC West team. Yeah, there you go. And then the Raiders to win. were going to win the game. Yeah. Like, they're I, playing each other. That's not possible. But if you watch the clip, Thank you. it was clear there was some sort of massive delay every time they went back and forth. And for people in the media, like, you do a lot more TV. Or you're on camera a lot more than I am. There can be a lot of distraction. I mean, we get it, too, every once in a while, you know. We've, we've kind of we've mostly cleared it up on this show. Like, speaking down the line while we're speaking is disturbing. But on TV, sometimes you got to do it. And something was happening. It might have just been a delay. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, because, and here's the other thing, too, that irritates me. Clearly, if you, like, know the inner machinations of television and radio, clearly they had, to, like, they had like, another 20 seconds or so, a bump at the end of that yep. that they had to fill. Yep. So, so Molly, killed, throws, time. Yep. Molly throws a quick question at him, yep. and he's kind of, like, sitting there listening. He's like, uh, 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 Raiders, Raiders, Raiders. You know, yeah. like, I'm always going to stick up for my guy Stephen A. Smith, who gave Bobby 20 bucks to go get him a Whopper out here in Las Vegas one time. Those are real moments, though. That's, but that's, yeah, a lot of people like to dunk on him. I always say he'll wipe away his tears with his millions of dollars that he makes. My guy, Stephen we, A. Smith. We have had people come in to Lotus and act like asses, right? Some, some bigger-name sports personalities? Yeah. Okay. I'm sure. He's the only one they interacted with. Oh, okay. I think that's why you were surprised. I thought that's why you were surprised Stephen A. was kind of down to earth. And I've heard, I've heard from multiple people that he is, including dope. Uh, my guy. Brandon Tierney used to do CBS National and now does WFAN. He, he swears by Stephen A. I am, swears I'm, by him. And they're, like, their on-air personalities would suggest that they would clash like hell. 
But Stephen A is not like that off the air. Super bombastic and arrogant. I will, yeah, I will say, though, man, when he flips the switch and he gets in arguments, there are times where he's like, are you challenging me? Oh, yeah. Like, basically, without saying, like, I will end you. One of my and dreams. He kind of did it to Max. One of my dreams is to get into a debate with Stephen A. Smith. I, I very much trust in my debating skills, but I would love it. My guy. What side would you pick? The opposite side. <laughs> that's, that's the point, <laughs> What if right? he didn't believe it's, it? That's a point. What that's, if he didn't believe it? Well, it's not much of a debate. If I'm like, Stephen A., that's a great point. You got my point, though, right? Yeah. The sides are picked oftentimes. Of course. We have to have an argument. That's why I said. Even if we... The other side. Even if we agree with each other. That's why, you know, you need a, a well-rounded base of knowledge because I can do that. I can pick the other side. Even though I don't agree with it, I can make the argument. All right. I'm going to count down, and I just want the winner of tonight's game between the Chiefs and the Chargers. We have not spoken about this. I have no idea what you're betting. I just want straight-up winner. You do, actually. Three, two... One. Tie. I didn't answer. Chiefs. Chiefs. Yeah. I just think, so, look, I will fully admit, as somebody who had the Raiders in the contest and to bet them, I might be viewing it with, you know, some skew with my emotion. Having said that, when I watch Derek Carr, would it, is, it, is it fair to say when Derek Carr turned the ball over the times that he did, very much – the onus was on Derek Carr as opposed to the Chargers doing something to make him look bad. For example, the most egregious one is Devontae Adams. The, the deep ball, he completely underthrows Adams. Adams has to stop up to try to get it. The two DBs catch up with Adams. It's tipped, it's picked. That's turnover. The play in which he tries to force it down the middle, I believe he was trying to throw it to Waller over the middle. And again, he just does not see the linebacker dropping completely in the space. Underthrows that one. It gets picked off. He does not see the other defender strafing over to cover Hunter Renfro when he tries to force the ball to him, and he gets picked off. I thought much of the turnovers and negative plays were more on the side of the Raiders and the issues that they were having in Carr as opposed to the Chargers. And by the way, some of the numbers back that up. Asante Samuel Jr., according to the numbers, gave up over 100 yards and a touchdown in that game against the Raiders. It was not really great from a coverage standpoint for them. I think when you put all these things together – the way the Chiefs can, I think, exploit something, even if J.C. Jackson's back, how healthy is he really going to be in his first game? I just think that from a straight-up perspective, if you're asking me who to win, the most probable outcome is the four-point favorite in the Chiefs. We saw Mack and Bosa destroy Carr. Yes. Destroy the line. Is that the way you defend Patrick Mahomes? Like getting after him? No. I think you defend Patrick Mahomes by dropping everybody and forcing him to be patient. We saw that last year. He, it was a career low for him in terms of facing blitzes. And what happened? Turnover-worthy plays were the same, but the turnover-worthy plays became turnovers. And they had a little bit of a difficulty dealing with teams that were dropping everybody back and sending three or four as opposed to you know pass rush and actually destroy, like destroying him. I think that's what you want to do. If you get the pass rush, that's an added bonus. Right. But it's more about forcing him to work patiently. I would love to see his numbers in the pocket, out of the pocket. Because yeah. I, I feel like if he starts getting on the move, if you don't get the sack, all hell breaks loose. Now, that said, Tyreek Hill's not there. So maybe the numbers from the past mean nothing. That's a good point. A lot of it was finding Tyreek Hill in space as he was extending plays. I mean, but here's the thing. It, I would say maybe the explosiveness, explosiveness of those plays becomes different, right, in the sense that 
when you're extending plays and you find Tyreek Hill, who's sitting there in an open area of the field, he could take a ball, as we've seen, and make a 15-yard completion 70 yards in a blink of an eye. Whereas a guy like a Juju Smith-Schuster, he's also going to find space, but that 15-yard completion through the air is probably like a 17-yard completion. It doesn't get as explosive. So maybe you still have that ability. It just becomes a little bit more contained. What do you think the Chargers do on offense? What's the approach? I, I'm so, I think you're still doing what you're doing. I mean, there's no real – I thought it was well put in the report. Was that Dan Orlovsky? And that I don't think so, they're so much reliant on Justin Herbert, but it is more reliant on getting a little bit more aggressive with your downfield passing attack. He actually – his average at the target last year wasn't that great, but I think you want to do that in terms of getting a little bit more aggressive with your passing attack. And we saw, like, I still have some relative questions about how good this Chiefs defense is going to be. They weren't really that good last year. And how good are they going to be against a, a an offense that, albeit without Keenan Allen, can spread you out a little bit more and find multiple weapons and make you pay for some of that stuff? Game one last year, 28-14. Chargers win. They only run the ball 22 times. Herbert, four touchdown passes, no interceptions. <laughs> like, I feel like traditionally you play the Chiefs, you're like, we have to run the ball, keep Mahomes off the field. Right. But they actually – no. They didn't, right? Yeah. Well, and look at the way the Bills played the Chiefs at the end of the year in the postseason. It's like screw keeping Patrick Mahomes off the field. You got because they're going to score. You got to be able to score with them. At the end of the day, you have to be able to run your offense. It's not this old school keep them off the field, work the clock. Nope. Because I don't know if you heard this, Steve. The Chiefs scored in 13 seconds last year. Yes, I heard it. Oh, okay. By the way, Chargers won the first game 30-24. I was looking at Raiders-Chargers yeah. game one, 30-24. But I was right on the numbers. Herbert, four touchdown passes. Eckler only got 11 carries. He did get targeted six times, caught all six. So, you know, Eckler, you know, essentially that's where he catches the ball. It's like 17 carries. Exactly. It, they're, they're, it's an extension of the running games. It's almost like Washington State back in the day under Leach, where they didn't really run the ball. They would just, like, toss it down to their running back out in space and allow him to go to work. It's going to be a nice win for the Chargers. Would Set be. a tone. Yeah. Oh, of course. Not gonna go, I'm not going to go crazy tomorrow if they win the game. I, just, I think this is, you know, a lot of these games are toss-up games, but I think it will send the message that the Chargers can win these big games and are a real nemesis, like a legit nemesis of the Chiefs. I just can't wait because, you know, you're not buried is not the right term, but playing on the afternoon slate against the Raiders, three other games going on, you know, it's all well and good. You know the second that Brandon Staley lines up on a fourth and three. Oh. Can't wait to see him go for it and then have them fail and everybody be like, ah! I think it was Adam early in the week. Uh, Adam was disappointed that Staley punted yeah, in board. one of those situations, and he was imploring, not that Staley's like listening to the show, but he was saying, like, be yourself. Yep. Don't listen to the critics. And I totally agree. And I said that at the end of the season, all offseason, his decisions were mostly right. It's execution and play calling. Yeah. And I, I would agree because, yeah, there was that four. It was like fourth and two, wasn't it? And they started to put the offense out there, and then they switched personnel and decided to punt it away. Because um, guess, guess what? Uh, Andy Reid, when he's in those situations, even without Tyreek Hill, will go for it. Yep. So, no, I agree with that. And, and, and we know tonight, too, Andy Reid ain't lining up for 49, 53, 47 yarders. He doesn't have his kicker. But he doesn't, he doesn't need to do that because he's got Patrick Mahomes. Well, guess what? Herbert may not be Mahomes, but he's close. Trust in your guy on the field. Don't be freaking Nate Hackett. Also, the underrated aspect about them uh, not going for it there, most old-school coaches burn a timeout in that instance to put their punt formation out there. They didn't. 
that's also just a really good sign of the way that this team executes and is ready to go on things. I, but I can't wait because Staley should stick to his guns. It's a reason why their offense was so good last year at times. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. Brad's up in 30 seconds. Giveaway time. Give Ari a call at 364-1100. Caller 7. October 8th show. That's a Saturday. Dollar Loan Center in Henderson. You can grab tickets for Alice Cooper and special guest Ace Freely. AXS.com where you can get the tickets. Ari's got two right now at 364-1100. Brad Powers is with us. Brad, how you doing, buddy? Doing all right. How are you? Alice Cooper's very loud. Would you be okay if Alice Cooper was blaring down at Circa? I would not. Okay. You know what? I, I actually will come to your side. I, I uh, really like Derek Stevens, and I love Circa. I have been there a couple of nights where I'm like, man, it is kind of loud in here. Um, that said, I'm getting old, so I'm getting crankier. But uh, they, they, they have the music w- up loud there. <laughs> I've always been cranky. I just wish them, you know, if you're going to crank the music, let, let, let's have the music selection a little bit better. Right, you, want some, you want Sinatra, a little victim on. Sure. Nah, come on. That's what he wants. That's I love wants. it. No, 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 no. You just got to mix it up. Now, if you've been in Circa, it's a very peculiar music playlist Ooh, from like I'll have to 15 listen more years ago. Okay. All right. I'll have to listen more closely. I like to walk in and pretend it's my personal soundtrack. You know what I mean? Like, giving me, pumping me up so I can get on with my day. Okay. It makes sense. It makes sense. Uh, tomorrow night, a couple of games before we get to all the big Saturday games, college football. I want to take Louisville plus two and a half. Am I wrong against Florida State? I'm not there yet. Give me a three, and I'm with you. Uh, I, I do think we're going to see uh, a little bit better Louisville than, than what we've seen. I know they pulled the upset last week against UCF, but it still was pretty tough watch, uh, both teams in that one, and obviously they got blown out in the opener. Now, Florida State comes in off a bye, so maybe the spot says a little bit Florida State uh, there, but you know, Louisville, if we can find a three, then I'm with you. It's go time. Wyoming plus 16 against Air Force in Laramie. Uh, <laughs> I get it. Wyoming's got a good track record uh, of stopping the option. I can tell you on the circuit openers, I laid 14 with Air Force. This is my Look, Air Force over was my favorite season win total. Uh, I think this is a legitimate, like, 10-11 type win Air Force team, so... I, I, I hear you, but I'm on the Air Force. So before we get some of the big games, Brad, we've talked with you about the improved rating of the local team, UNLV, but is the swing from minus one to as high as minus three a little too rich for the Rebels this weekend? It's getting there. Again, three's a key number. Uh, yep. Three and a half, I'll be on North Texas. Uh, it's a really good barometer game for both teams. We're gonna, I think it's a good data point. Uh, I think, obviously, both teams are very similarly power-rated. I mean, UNLV's look good. Even last week, you know, after they got off the slow start, probably the first two and a half quarters against Cal, I mean, they could have won the game outright. So, uh, we're going to, I'll tell you what, if UNLV gets the win on Saturday, dare I say possible bull talk here in Vegas? So, let me ask you this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote, I would say a coach would probably be like, oh, one week at a time, Brad. Um, well, we don't talk about totals enough. This actually moved to full seven. Did you have any hand in moving that? I did not move the the, the total, and okay. that has gotten pricey. Now, I bet an under on the North Texas game last week. They played an FCS team. It was one of my favorite totals of the week, and I got my teeth kicked down my throat. So I wasn't anxious to, to jump back in and fade all that over money on North Texas because they're running so much tempo. 
All right, so a common opponent would be Cal, who they played last weekend. What do you make of the bounce back here for Notre Dame? Now, that's one, I got 10.5 on the board, total of 41. Well, I don't know if you can lay 10.5 with that Notre Dame offense. They just, the lack of playmakers on, at running back and wide receiver, and now a backup quarterback that I thought looked absolutely horrific in the spring game. Like, literally, I don't know if he could start at a Mac school. That's how bad he looked. So. No, I'm not willing to, to you know, lay it with Notre Dame in a bounce-back spot. What about late night? I think USC keeps getting away with murder with these red zone turnovers that their opponents keep committing. They did it again against Stanford, who had multiple drives inside the 10 that ended in some turnovers. Can they get away with it again as a 12-point favorite against Fresno State? No, I think Fresno's the right side. Uh, I wouldn't be a bit surprised Fresno's live. I uh, wanted 14 desperately. I'm just not going to get there. So I'm going to, you know, end up with a Fresno State ticket, just not the, at the, the, the absolute best number I was hoping for. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think USC, look, I thought they were overrated coming into the season. Look, the offense has lived up to expectations. That wasn't my doubt on the team. It was the defense. And they've kind of gotten away with uh, some things. Not in the Rice game deflected the passes and turned into three pick sixes and then, I, what's the narrative if Stanford doesn't, you know, turn it over inside the five twice? I mean, that is a legitimate ball game last weekend. A lot of good Pac-12 crossovers. Oregon in a in a must-win game if they're going to be an elite team uh, after they got their teeth kicked in by Georgia a couple weeks ago. BYU getting three and a half. Numbers say BYU spots as Oregon. Although I'm not sure what to make of Oregon. I mean, you got a really bad data point and a really good one uh, on two ends of the spectrum: an FCS team and the defending national champ. We will find out what Oregon is about this year. Uh, I'm going to lean Oregon, but, you know, we'll, we'll, I, I hate fading BYU. I just faded them last weekend, and I lost it going up against them. Washington State in a look-ahead spot, 16-and-a-half against Colorado State. Yeah, I did bet Colorado State, even though they've looked awful. I mean, what? I don't know if you guys follow the market much. What in the world was all that money on Colorado State last week? I mean, that line moved a touchdown and couldn't have been more wrong. They lose outright as <laughs> a two-touchdown favorite. With, with, with that being said, I think it is a good spot to play. Buy really low on them. Give me them plus uh, 16 and a half. Huskies, Washington, three and a half against Michigan State. Man, a lot of respect towards Washington blowing through that key number of three. I, I agree that they should be favored, but not more than three. So give me Michigan State and also give me the over. We know San Diego State can run. Can they throw? If they can't run, what the hell do they do against Utah? The Utes are 21. It seems pricey against San Diego State, but I'm here to tell you, I have not been impressed with San Diego State. Not only losing outright to Arizona in the opener, I mean, they weren't that impressive against a terrible Idaho State team. I mean, UNLV had a more impressive performance against Idaho State than San Diego State did. So uh, I am actually going to lay the 21 with the Utes. Did you upgrade Nebraska after they fired Scott Frost? (laughs) (laughs) I did bet him in this game. I love Nebraska this, this week, so... I didn't necessarily upgrade them because they are coming off such a terrible performance, but I would not be surprised by any stretch if they were to break through and actually win the game outright. So I took 16. I would take anything above 10. That's how bad of an opening number I thought that was. What do you, what do you, what'd you make of Oklahoma coming in? Because this is pretty much like the first real test we're going to see from them. What would you make of the Sooners with this new look, staff, everything that we know about them? Well, that's a good question. I don't. I'm. I'm not sure that we know because they right. played a couple of tomato cans. They, they basically met expectations in both games. So this is their first. They're going to get punched in the mouth back for the first time this year, and we'll see with the first year coach. I also like the under. Check that win forecast. So dog and under in that one. Brad Powers, BradPowerSports.com at BradPower7 up on 
Twitter, crossover game, SEC, Big Ten, Penn State on the road, three against Auburn. I want three and a half, but I'm not sure I'm going to get there. I, I'll take the three then with Auburn. Now, they haven't been that impressive, but something tells me they've been playing possum a little bit against two relatively weak opponents. I just can't bring myself to laying a full field goal on the road in SEC country, particularly when I thought last year Auburn outplayed Penn State. I, I, I bet Penn State in that game last year and felt very fortunate to catch a ticket. So I think Auburn gets revenge. They went out right. Man, what a total in SMU and Maryland. It's 74. Uh, the uh, little tongue of Ilo is a hell of a quarterback. So what happens in this one with the, uh, the number of 74? Yeah, I mean, that along with the USC-Fresno game are the two highest totals we've seen in college football so far this season. Now, the last two years, if you have blindly bet the under in every uh, total in college football that's lined in the 70s, actually 24-11 and 11 to the under. Wow. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go against the grain and lean under in that game, but I'll tell you what I prefer. I'm going to lay the two-and-a-half with Maryland. I think there's still some question marks on SMU with a first-year coach. Give me the terms minus the two-and-a-half. Opposite end of the spectrum, a 39 on the board. Iowa's laying 23 against Nevada. You know, my numbers called for Iowa pretty strong on Sunday. It was 20 at Circa. I couldn't do it. I, I mean, I can't lay that number, even though I think Nevada's really terrible. Um, obviously losing into an FCS opponent last week. And I think Iowa's getting a little healthier wide receiver. But you're asking me to lay now more than three touchdowns with a team that's only scored one touchdown so far this season. So... It's a total non-play for me. What do your numbers come out to in this Texas A&M-Miami game? Market went from five, I think was the opener at Circa, to six, six and a half now market-wide. Yeah, we're starting to see some steam come in on A&M. It's sharp-respected money. It's also Miami's best wide receiver. Looks like he's out. He's probably worth a half point or so. I think A&M's the right side, but uh, it's another one where I didn't get to the window yet. Uh, I, I just I don't trust either team. Look, my, Miami hasn't looked that impressive. I mean, they were nearly getting yep. beat at the half by Southern Miss last week. Good second-half bet there against Southern Miss. They covered that, but they didn't look good in the first half. Really quick, Texas and uh, Texas-San Antonio. What's the bounce back like for the Longhorns after that loss? Well, I I wanted to play UTSA. I needed 14, never got there. I will say, I know a lot of people are saying it's a great spot for UTSA. They are off back-to-back overtime games. So, I mean, how much do they got left in their tank? So, right now, it's current numbers. I actually lean Texas. Brad Powers with us. FCS numbers, most of them come out when? Uh, you'll start to see some hit the board tomorrow afternoon, uh, but a lot of times it's game day. And you're playing a lot, right? I'm playing a ton. I bet 37 of them last week. Went 28 and 9. So I, 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 I can, I'm not sure I can replicate that again the rest of the season, but uh, let's just say I anticipate 55 plus percent uh, types of weeks consistently. What number do you think we see, and where does it go with North Dakota State at Arizona? North Dakota State, I'm anticipating, is going to be about a two-and-a-half, three-point favorite. I've already bet the game, believe it or not. I bet Westgate put this number up in the summer. I bet Arizona plus eight-and-a-half. I think I'm going to have CLV there. Plus eight-and-a-half? Yeah. Wow. So what do you think happens yeah, in the we'll game? We'll see. They have won the last six against the FBS opponents. And I'll say another thing. They'll have 15,000, 20,000 people in the stands. I didn't know that. Is that. They travel that well, huh? They do travel that well. So if you're watching that one late night, they might be 50-50 crowd. So we didn't ask you uh, coming in, are you go, Are you actually going to use your tickets tomorrow for North Texas and UNLV? 
I am not actually. So, okay. do you want what? What do you want me to give more on the air? No, I, no, no. There's no. Just too many. Look, it's an earlier start time. Yeah. That's typically not the case, and there's just too many games going on at that time. That's what I was thinking. No, we, we don't want your tickets. I just, I was like, man, you bet a lot of games, <laughs> and to uh, be stuck in a, the stadium is awesome, but it really is the challenge for betters. When you go to a game, you can just, you know, kind of out of pocket on on all the other games. So tonight, Thursday night football. What do we do here? What do we do with the Chiefs and the Chargers? So I'll be like Vegas, Dave. I'll lay the money line here. Uh, well, I'll just, I don't have a strong bet. Well I think it's a bad spot for the Chargers. I'll lay 200 here with uh, KC tonight. Really? Well played. I went alt yeah. line. I went uh, Chiefs pick at minus uh, 750. So. <laughs> okay. There you go. All right. Brad, uh, <laughs> we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Good luck this weekend. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. There he is. Brad Powers. BradPowerSports.com. You threw me off there. Why? That was a bad joke, know. too, because I, I could just all go money line there. All these VD mentions and. I only, I well, well play, and I'm just saying, I don't, I don't know what the hell's going on. I, 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 think I'm, I think I'm out on the joke. I would have. Oh, that's like his thing. It's like a whale play thing. Um, okay. What's it called? I, I messed up. I wanted to ask him about one of the other movers in the market. That what was it? Georgia, South Carolina. Georgia opened up 26, down to like 24. What do you want to do with that game? I'm just more curious about it. I, I think so. I watched. I was on South Carolina against Arkansas last week, and South Carolina's front seven was beat up by Arkansas's offensive line. That's a really good offensive line, not to give them any credit. Uh, but on both sides of the ball, their offensive and defensive lines were less than impressive. And uh, they're going to go against an offensive and defensive line that I think is slightly better than Arkansas. I feel I'm, like they're going to get their tails kicked. I'm encouraged by what we're seeing this week in college football with, with a lot of quality matchups. And I hope that continues when we have the 12-team playoff. Right? It should. You, have, you know, you have a little more leeway, a lot more leeway, a lot more leeway to make the playoff, so... These games are important. All of them are important. That's why I never really get the <laughs> the best regular season in all the sports ruined now. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> it's it's more important now than ever. If there's multiple playoff games, then matchups like South Carolina Arkansas last week actually carry some weight, as opposed to it just being a fun conference matchup between two teams that actually matters for a team like Arkansas that might have playoff aspirations. How many games are you going to bet on Saturday? Or because you're working the UNLV game, you're going to kind of go with a, a lighter slate. I've got a couple. I've got three in mind. Uh, I, I like So, for example, the reason why I keep asking about this USC game is I took my shot with Stanford over the weekend. Now, we, I joked about the Jets and the Ravens being right-side wrong result. I think that was a right-side wrong result thing with Stanford. The multiple turnovers inside the 10-yard line were a killer for a team that lost by 13 and ended up you know as a nine-and-a-half-point underdog was where I got them. I really want to play against USC. I also wanted to lay it with Notre Dame. Brad made me feel a little uneasy about that. But yes. I'm still going to do it because I hate when people do that to me. Oh, I'm just going to bet it, but you talked me out of it. No. I might just play Cal team total under. I haven't seen the number. You're the man of like three voices today. It's like Danny Gans, too. I don't know who that is. You don't know Danny Gans's? No. I know, Vegas guy? I know Terry Fader. <laughs> okay. It's more recent, more current. I get it. The man of a thousand voices, too. So, any player props in tonight's game? No. I, I, I've got fantasy implications, and that's about it. I got, you know, my sneaky, I'll tell you this. You might have a bigger role here, and it falls into the player prop market. Clyde Edwards Elair mm-hmm. in uh, week one was fantastic. Usage was way up. And I think that's probably going to be a, a little bit of a, a symptom of this new look Chiefs offense. I think Clyde Edwards Elair, C E H, 
is going to be a big focal point of this offense this year. Rushing yards for CEH, 44.5 over under. What about rushing receiving? I don't think they have it available. Okay. I'd go. I if, if you're giving me rushing receiving, depending on what the number would be, I would look to play that over. And by they, I meant William Hill. Obviously, every, every every book has different props. Over under TD passes, Justin Herbert, two. Under. Really? Yeah. I'm, pro- I'm assuming it's going to be like minus 135 on the over. Total sacks in the game. Overs minus 125. The number is three and a half. Under. Why? Because I think that uh, Patrick Mahomes gets the ball out quickly. He's not going to put himself in position to get sacked. Same thing with Herbert, who's also uber-athletic. All right, folks, get on down here. Silver 7s is the spot. 77-cent beers during all NFL games. 77-cent Bud Light, Bud, Mick Ultra. They get a great two-dog, two bags of chip, uh, and a, a big beer special 777. Silver 7s for the NFL.